Welcome to Talkin' Truth, the podcast that brings together conservative pastor Brian Clark and famous comedian Dan Whitney, a.k.a. Larry the Cable Guy. Get her done. Today, we continue in the book of Proverbs with author Kira Whitney, who just happens to be Dan's wife. They'll be talking truth about wisdom, the Bible, and life. Now, here's Dan. Hey everybody, this is Dan Whitney, also known as Larry the Cable Guy, also known as Mater from uh, Cars, Movies. Listen, we have such a fun time in here. We are doing the Talking Truth podcast. We are on Proverbs. My first guest for the first three is my fabulous, beautiful wife, Kara. Brian Clark is going to give us a little message, and we're going to talk about it. Always listen to this, because we got a lot of good stuff coming up on Proverbs. we got my wife. we got uh, Jeff Foxworthy is going to be a guest, Jimmy Brewer. It's it's a big, big nine weeks, so stay tuned. And here's Brian. So if you look around at our culture today, it might seem like there are no rules. People want to be free to do what they want, say what they want, and believe what they want. No judgments, anything goes, right? Well, not exactly. Often in Proverbs, the truth is personified and proclaimed by Lady Wisdom. Proverbs says she shouts in the street. She lifts her voice in the square. And boy, does she make people mad. Yes, about anything goes today, except the truth from God. Lady Wisdom is not well-received in our culture and people want her canceled. She calls to the fools, but they will not listen. Proverbs 1.22 introduces us to a couple more fools to go along with the know-it-all fool we met in the first episode. The first one is called the naive fool. The Hebrew word refers to those who are gullible. They are easily persuaded, deceived, and led astray. Today, these are people controlled by the media or internet lies and fall prey to the latest trend, agenda, or philosophy. Lady Wisdom calls them out, but they don't want to hear it. They go with the flow, and they're tossed here and there by every wind of doctrine, as James says in the New Testament. The second fool is the scoffer. The scoffer is a regular in Proverbs. Man, he is angry and looking for a fight. Every part of his life is unraveling, but he won't admit it. He releases his frustration by venting on everyone else, blaming them for his troubles. He doesn't just ignore Lady Wisdom. He hates her. He attacks her and mocks her and wants her embarrassed, discredited, and destroyed. Then there's the know-it-all fool we met in episode one. He fights against Lady Wisdom because he's the expert. I mean, he knows everything. He resents the fact that Lady Wisdom is suggesting he might be wrong about something. He can't win the argument with substance, so he attacks with name-calling and false accusations to win the day. He thinks he knows it all, but in reality, he knows very little. Proverbs tells us these are the three fools that are determined to silence Lady Wisdom. But why? Jesus tells us that he came into the world as the light. But the darkness hated the light because it exposed their evil. This is the same reason why Lady Wisdom is shouted down in the streets. Fools hate knowledge. They must cancel Lady Wisdom because she exposes what they're doing in the darkness. This is why almost every message imaginable 
is allowed and accepted in our culture except the voice of Lady Wisdom. This is why people react so strongly to God's truth. Lady Wisdom exposes the sin and selfishness of our culture, and people don't like that, so they seek to silence it. Lady Wisdom says that because people neglected her counsel and did not want her correction, because they hated knowledge and spurned reproof, they will seek her and not find her. In other words, the darkness gets so dark, they no longer know where to turn. They don't even know what they're searching for. She tells them that they will eat the fruit of their own way. In other words, in their foolishness, they will consume themselves. If you don't think this is true, just look around you. Are you seeing a lot of flourishing? Do people seem joyful and satisfied and at peace? Is this really the life we're searching for? Isn't it pretty evident something's not working? As I said before, we all ultimately live in the culture we create. You put a group of selfish, self-serving individuals in it for themselves together, and they will ultimately consume one another. We create a culture we hate, but we are clueless how to change it. But Lady Wisdom goes on to say that he who listens to her shall live securely and be at ease from the dread of evil. In other words, she offers a way out. Nobody has to live that way. It's never too late. There is another way. Lady Wisdom says, turn to my reproof. Behold, I will pour out my spirit on you. I will make my words known to you. Jesus said, you shall know the truth, and the truth will set you free. So where do we go from here? We need to listen and learn from what God has to say. He has the roadmap. But don't expect God's truth to be popular. The light of Jesus exposes the darkness, and people don't like that. They want their evil to remain hidden in the darkness. But let's never forget those around us who are hurting and in desperate need of the light. They want out. They are ready to listen and learn. They need us to have the courage to stand for truth and show them a better way to live. We may not be able to change everyone or everything, but we can create pockets of flourishing wherever God has called us. We can make a difference where we work or in our neighborhood or our family. It's easy to get overwhelmed by the darkness or to feel like there's just no hope. But change has to start somewhere. So let's start with you. Are you willing to listen to Lady Wisdom? Are you willing to surrender to God and believe he tells the truth about how to find life? Will you have the courage to stand for truth and be a light in the darkness? Change has to start somewhere. It might as well start with you. Let's bring in Dan and Kara. Let's talk about this. Most of those Twitter, those those fools are all on Twitter after midnight. Every one of those that you have described are on there throwing out their clueless wisdom about all of these topics. But yeah, you know, I've got so many people that like I'm dealing with a friend of mine now. It's so crazy how everybody, especially Hollywood, and you know, all the people got all this wealth 
They're never happy. They say they're happy, but you know they're not happy, especially the ones you personally know. But they try everything. They try all these goofy religions. They try, they try everything. The only one they don't try is Christianity. They don't want to try Christianity. It's the one thing that's going to give them hope and make them happy, and they won't try that. And we've talked about this before. A lot of them won't try it because from growing up, they think it's a book of rules, and that's all it is. And they see the false prophets on television wanting money and sending out healing water. But that's not what it's about. It's not a book of rules. And uh, we've discussed this on the podcast a hundred times. But, you know, everybody is searching for something. And the one thing that can make them happy, they just don't go to it. And I got to tell you, if you're listening to this today and you're a Christian and you're just kind of kicking back and going, well, it's hard for me to just do something. To Look, I wrote, this is all I did. I, I pray every day that God gives me an opening, you know, because it's hard just to walk up to somebody and go, hey, let me ask you something. So you die tomorrow, you know, you know what I mean? They don't, they're definitely pushing you away. But if you're just in a regular conversation and something pops up where you can put a little Jesus in there, just a subtle, and you get the conversation going, that's how you do it. So I pray every day for a little bit of an opening. And so I write these forewords to my wife's books. And I, you know, I write what I feel. I write these things. And wouldn't you know it, I get, all of a sudden, I started getting out of the blue, people contacting me. They're like, man, I'm glad you put that in there because, you know what, this is how I feel. I just don't, I just don't have, I just needed somebody else to show me. They're thinking that, you know what I mean? So I put those in the books, and now you got in Kara's book, and so there are people out there that want somebody to tell them about Jesus, especially somebody they look up to who they think loves Jesus, but they're not sure because they haven't really said anything. So, man, say something because there's some people that are ready to listen and learn, but you got to take that first step. And then, Brian, all what you just said is uh, once these people realize that's what they need to fill that hole in their heart, we can we can do a lot of a good change for the better. So Arnie, that's no question to you or anything. I'm just that's my. Uh, it's a pep talk. It's a pep talk. And I like it's it for Christians. Well done. Arnie Cole's our CEO at Back to the Bible, and so he would know what this percentage is. I wouldn't even know. In fact, if he listens to this, he's going to be like, it's this. But say 70% of America identifies as Christian, right? It sure doesn't feel like 70% of this country is joyful, satisfied, and at peace. Okay? So I guess my question is, I don't think they understand what it means to be serious about Jesus, because if you are, Brian, what should you expect? Yeah, so I, I think that number is really misleading. People that wrestle with those statistics related more to like a Christian worldview and, and a series of very basic things you have to believe to become a Christian, but the number more maybe 10 to 14 percent of Americans really are Christians as as we're talking about it. And so it's true, there's a lot of people there, they're religious, they have some sort of a religious connection with a denomination or a church, but they don't understand the gospel, they haven't experienced new life with Jesus, right. they're, 
They show up at Christmas and Easter. But when you find someone who truly has been transformed by the power of Jesus, they they should be different. Mm -hmm. And many of them are. It's one of those things where people talk about all the Christians that are hypocrites. And it's like, you can find hypocrites in every walk of life. Right. But if you want to see some really committed, impressive believers that follow hard after Jesus, I can show you a whole bunch of them. So just because there's fake doesn't mean there's not the authentic. And, And so if what we say is true is true, then there ought to be a certain peace. There ought to be a certain quietness about us, a certain sense of mission, uh, clarity around priorities and values. I mean, there should be something about us that's different. If we're going to stand in front of people and say, you know, I used to be a caterpillar, Mm -hmm. and now I'm a butterfly, it's like the claims we make as Christians are pretty audacious. And it's like if we're going to say, I've been born again, I've been radically changed. I'm a new creation of Christ. Then I better live like it, or those words have no credibility. And, and I think that is a problem in our country. There's a credibility problem. Dangerous for their souls. Then I mean, where's the failure in that? To think that that you're a Christian but not have any heart transformation whatsoever, is it just a fear of wanting to put yourself out there? Is it something within the church that's not? getting put in there is it is it too much work because it's because it is work yeah so i think the the term christian's gotten so watered down church has gotten so watered down i mean you you have churches that would go under the umbrella of being a christian church but deny the deity of christ it's like that can't even make sense a christian church is a christ follower church and at the core of that has to be a belief that Jesus was God, is God, and the whole gospel, that he died on the cross and he rose again. So to have a Christian church that really doesn't even believe the Bible's the inspired word of God, that doesn't believe half the Bible, that pick, want to pick and choose, that's where it gets so confusing because these people are, a lot of people would call them just cultural Christians, mm-hmm. but the, they don't know Jesus. It's not a priority that Jesus doesn't really define their values and how they live their life. And so it it gets pretty watered down. I think you have others that they just don't really believe what they say they believe. I mean, within contexts like ours, the church where I'm the pastor, it's like I think there'd be plenty of people that would say this is what they believe and they'd get the answers right on the test. But over the years as a pastor, I've just come to the conclusion— a lot of Christians don't believe what they say they believe. They're if we did, we would live it. differently. Right. Yeah, we, we, we know the right answer, but we don't really believe it, and it shows up in how we live. I always know I'm in a good marriage because when I'm being unreasonable— Dan can point that out. Now, it might take me a couple of days to admit that it's— uh, 10.42 this morning. That <laughs> <laughs> might take me a couple of days to admit that— and I'll say, you know what, you're right about that. I, I was wrong and tried to reconcile whatever it is that I've done. This is what gives me relief. I know I'm saved. Sometimes I, I'm like, I could be doing more. I feel lazy in my faith. Uh, you know, you just start to, those doubts start to play in. But I know that the Holy Spirit is constantly 
working on me, just like my relationship with Dan. I must be in relationship because the Holy Spirit is going, you know, I'm listening to a sermon or I'm reading something and I just feel convicted to change. Is that a good indicator that I'm on the right track? And if someone listening isn't feeling that, what can they do to have that kind of connection, I guess? Yeah, so, you know, I would say, and the New Testament would say, that if you can sin, Mm -hmm. so you're violating something that God has clearly said is wrong, without conviction, that's a very bad sign. There's something really, really wrong there. So if you sin, and we all do, and there's a conviction that's evidence of the presence of the Holy Spirit in my life, and he's, he's teaching me and growing me, so yeah, that would be a, a really positive thing. But I think it is a relationship, and it's not just a ticket to heaven and all's good until I die, so I have to pursue the relationship. So Patty and I have been married 41 years, and I'll tell you, she's the love of my life, but marriage is hard. Mm-hmm. You have to work really hard at it. And you think about, if I invested the amount of time in my marriage that a lot of people invest in their relationship with Jesus, I wouldn't have a marriage. It would have fallen apart a long time ago. So it's like there's nothing magic about this where you just wake up one morning and you're super spiritual. Right. You have to pursue it. You have to want it. You have to go after it which includes going to church, includes getting involved, includes discipleship and growth and all these things that God uses to challenge us and to grow us. But you have to make some decisions. You, It's not just going to happen overnight. So I, I think it's a good comparison. I, it, a marriage takes a lot of work. Mm-hmm. My relationship with Jesus takes a lot of work. But the fruit of that is worth every moment of that because the relationship with Jesus is beautiful. And that would come back as wisdom. It would come back as wisdom. It would come back in skillful living. The, 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 the reality, going back to this proverb, is if I'm going to live all out for Jesus, there's people that are really not going to like that. And it's going to make them angry. Through no fault of my own. I'm not yelling at them. I'm not sticking it in their face. But they, they don't like the light shining into the darkness because the light exposes the cockroaches. Sure. And people don't like that's just the way it is so if you live for jesus at school you live for jesus in the marketplace you live for jesus next door it's going to make some people uncomfortable for me as a preacher that's my job is to stand up every week and to talk about this is what god says is true and there's people that don't like that you know it it goes out over the internet and there's maybe visitors or people that hear it and They just don't like it, and sometimes they feel the need to let me know they don't like it. (laughs) And I've accepted the fact that's just part of it. Right. You know, that's nothing compared to what the apostles faced in the first century. It's like we we in America have the luxury of living with one foot in the kingdom of God, one foot out in the world, and it's frankly a miserable way to live. But in a lot of places in the world, even today, you can't live that way. You're either all in or you're not. You, you can't s- kind of straddle the fence. In the first century, it's either you're in and probably going to die or you're not. And so we have a lot of Christians in America that are just kind of in the fuzzy middle and kind of drifting along, and it's hard to figure out. O- only God ultimately knows their heart and where mm-hmm. they're at. Sure. 
But I think to your question, to live skillfully is, is to be all in yeah. and to stand for truth and understand that's not always going to be popular and that's just the way it is. But in the process, the light of Jesus is going to shine into somebody's life like Dan was talking about, and they're going to find what they've been looking for in a relationship with Jesus, and that makes it all all worth the effort. But that is not an, ex- an excuse to not go to people and evangelize. I think a lot of Christians think, I'm going to live this life, and it's going to be so wonderful and peaceful, and people are going to see my life, and that's how they want to evangelize. But at some point, somebody's going to do something that you they don't agree with or whatever. Wouldn't you recommend reaching out to people over just letting your life and your lifestyle as a Christian be your evangelism? Yeah, I, for sure. You should write a book about that. Maybe. Yeah. Think about it. But a- absolutely, at some point, we need to have the conversations. And so I'm a strong advocate of getting involved in things where I meet people, build mm-hmm. relationships, get to know people that don't know Jesus in order to have those conversations. I just know that if I'm a hypocrite, my life has no credibility. So I need to live the gospel Sure, yeah. that gives then the words credibility. But living on mission means I'm, I'm on the offense and, and I'm trying to put myself in places where I think there's people that need Jesus. I'm not going to force anything on anybody that doesn't want to hear it. Yeah. But I do want to find the people that are looking for Jesus and be part of that story. That's that's one of the great privileges we have. Well, since you're a preacher, I'm a comedian. Oh boy. Are, they'll come down harder on you. <laughs> than me. I don't know. I have. Do I get comedian. more? Do I get more forgiveness? Yeah. <laughs> do you respond to them? It's it a, just it's a case by case. If they don't sign their name, I'm sure you don't at all. Most most of the time, to be honest with you, I say, would you mind coming in and we can talk about this? Okay. Because I feel really good about those conversations face-to-face. I won't have a internet fight. Do they come in? Uh, or, or are they like my teenage son who <laughs> <laughs> just says whatever? Who's, and... who's named Wyatt, yes. which is like the best guy's <laughs> name ever. Probably half of them come in. Okay. Uh, some don't respond at all, but when they come in, it's typically a, a productive conversation. You know, I, I had a conversation at a coffee house a couple of years ago with a really nice lady that's a professor at the university, and we disagree on almost everything. Sure. But she made the comment, it's it's really hard to hate somebody when you're sitting down having a cup of coffee with that them. That is a fact. And it's like, yes. So I, I think the more we can do that. I'm I'm not an internet guy. I don't get all the social media stuff. I don't, I don't like all the internet fights. But I'm more than happy to sit down with somebody that doesn't believe the same way I believe and see if we can talk through it. And my goal would be that they come to know Jesus. I will say this for anyone who is on on social media and they find themselves wanting to respond to somebody on social media. I always found that if I did a private message to them and just said, hey, I noticed you said this and whatever, and just sort of give a more personal response instead of publicly calling them out, you almost always get a really great conversation with the person. Yeah. And then I'd be able to mm. send them some some things. So that's just a tip. Yeah. Uh, you know. That sounds like some skillful living right there. Hey. <laughs> 
Well, I think the the key is, look, you were talking about a lot of these churches have lost their way, and Carol said, well, how do you know if we're get? You know, that's that's why study is so important. And I brought this up before, but Billy Sunday, I've said this before. But yeah, get in your Bibles. Like Billy Sunday said, 15 minutes a day. Read your Bible. Pray 15 minutes a day. Tell somebody 15 minutes a day. Your life will change. Also, we have an app called Go Tandem. Get involved. Go on that app. Check it out. It's really going to uh, help you walk, help you get stronger. When you do that, it's just like, I believe it was Corinthians when Paul was telling them to watch out for apostate preachers. And you're not going to know what one is unless you read the Bible. Yeah. And they and you will know what it is. And that's why he always said, you, you got to stay close to God. Listen, you'll be able to pick out and understand what who's teaching what should be taught and what shouldn't be taught. And another thing is that's why Jesus is the truth. The truth never changes. The truth is one solid goalpost, and it never moves. You have a target to hit. The world says you have your own truth, and that's a moving goalpost which always changes, but the real truth never changes. You have one goalpost, and, and it never changes. That's Jesus is the truth. And uh, you want your life to change? Read the Bible. Uh, get into these Proverbs, and it's awesome uh, instruction for living today. That's all for today's Talk and Truth. But Brian, Dan, and Kara will be back again next week with more wisdom from the book of Proverbs and some encouragement for your week. So be sure to subscribe so you don't miss any episodes. Talkin' Truth is powered by GoTandem, the free spiritual fitness app. Download GoTandem today and get spiritually fit.